Later today we'll be hearing from Peter Williams, who's on your right, on my left, and Peter is a specialist on um, defending the faith against um, attacks, against questionings, and so on. And he's going to be speaking today very particularly on why we can trust the New Testament. We live in days when many people think, oh, it was just made up hundreds of years after, and it contradicts itself, it doesn't really tell at the time of Jesus. Now, maybe you don't have those particular doubts, but I can guarantee that if you try to share your faith with anyone today outside the faith, they will expect you uh, to, to have answers for these things. Um, they will expect you not just to say, well, I believe it because I believe it. And so it's very encouraging to hear some of the results of archaeology and other studies which Peter will be sharing with us. And I hope that you'll be encouraged by the end of that when we hear from him shortly. To Peter, and uh, I'll just give him a moment to plug in his uh, own laptop into, into there. Um, Peter Williams is based in Southampton, and he works for a charity called the Maris Trust, which specialises in bringing um, defences of the faith to young people, to schools, to universities, and answering the questions that many, many people have about faith. As well as that, he lectures in a university in Norway. So there's a surprise. Um, he lectures in Norway and is involved in teaching uh, over there these, these similar things. But I'd like you uh, to, to listen now as we hear about the reliability of the New Testament. Thank you, right. Thank you very much. Uh, hello, everyone. It's nice to, to be with you uh, for this morning. We live uh, in a time of uh, deeply ignorant claims about Jesus and about the Bible. Um, deeply ignorant claims often made by people in the world of academia who one would have thought should know better, uh, but who don't. Uh, people who make claims such as uh, the Gospels are just works of fiction, as Richard Dawkins says, or that Jesus probably didn't exist as Victor Stenger, a new atheist physicist, says, or who put about the idea um, that uh, the idea that Jesus was divine as well as a man was a, a late development in people's thinking. Uh, Dan Brown, in his novel The Da Vinci Code, puts forward the idea that this was a, an innovation decided upon at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., the idea that Jesus was divine as well as being a man. These are deeply ignorant claims, and I think it's very interesting the way in which one can uh, debunk, undermine these kind of claims and give uh, support to uh, the historical nature and the historical reliability of, say, the Gospels in the, in the New Testament by looking at the field of archaeology. And I just uh, have enough time to dip our toe into the waters of archaeology in a couple of interesting areas today. I don't have time to look at the way in which archaeology can tell us about particular places, uh, villages, towns and so on, even particular buildings that are mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, but we'll take some time to look at the way in which archaeology speaks about people that appear uh, in the pages of the Bible and uh, people's beliefs 
in terms of uh, particularly what they thought about Jesus. So let's begin with, with people and uh, a recent and for a while very controversial find. This is a, uh, an, what's called an ossuary. Uh, Jewish people, when they buried people, they would uh, bury the body first. Uh, let the body decompose and later go back and collect the bones together and put the bones of the dead person in uh, a box like this called an ossuary. This is a mid-first century chalk ossuary that was discovered in about 2002 and it has an inscription uh, on it and the inscription uh, reads in Hebrew Jacob bar Yosef Achud Yeshua which is uh, James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. And it's quite rare for ossuaries in their inscriptions to mention someone's brother. And you think, why would they mention his brother unless there was something particularly sort of noteworthy about the brother? You can immediately see who people thought maybe uh, this referred to. It was very controversial. There was a whole court case indeed because certain people accused uh, the collector who had this box of forging uh, this find. But the court case uh, collapsed. Uh, all of the evidence presented in the court case actually pointed towards this being a, a genuine uh, object. Uh, Herschel Shanks, who is the editor of uh, Biblical Archaeological Review, said this. This box is more likely the ostry of James, the brother of Jesus of Nazareth, than not. In my opinion, it's likely that this inscription does mention the James and Joseph and Jesus of the New Testament. And he uh, co-authored a, a book, which you might like to get on this uh, topic, called uh, The Brother of Jesus. Uh, certainly the dating, the mid-first century dating of it, fits in with the fact that we know that James was martyred uh, for uh, belief in Jesus as the Christ in uh, AD 62. We find that out from the Jewish, uh, Jewish historian Josephus. Well, let's just take two verses uh, from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke 3, verses 1 to 2. Uh, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch, that is, governor of a quarter of a province of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Aturia and Traconitus, uh, Philip is mentioned in Josephus, although I haven't got any archaeology for him, but he's mentioned in Josephus. And uh, Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. Uh, so we have uh, six people listed in here, all of whom have archaeology relating to them. Tiberius Caesar, as one might expect, of the Roman Emperor, has quite a lot of archaeology relating to him. He uh, a bust and a coin, uh, a denarius from the 14 to 37 AD, commonly referred to as the tribute penny from the Bible when Jesus is saying, uh, you know, answering the question about taxes, whose image is on the coin? Uh, it's Tiberius Caesar. The Pilate inscription, um, skeptics said, that there, there was no reason to believe that Pontius Pilate actually existed. He was only ever mentioned in the Bible until in 1961 uh, they found a stone that had been reused in constructing another building that had an inscription on it, uh, Tiberium, 
Uh, these words in the brackets are, are missing because the bits of stone have been chipped away. But Tius Pilatus, Ectus, obviously Tiberian, Pontius Pilate, Prefectus, the, uh, the governor. Or Herod the Great. Uh, New Testament archaeologist John McRae says that archaeological excavations have uncovered a surprisingly large amount of evidence pertaining to Herod the Great. Here's a bronze coin of Herod the Great. Uh, we have a, a, a ceremonial tripod bowl on one side and the inscription Herod King and the year that the coin was struck, year three, that is year three of Herod's reign, which would have been 37 BC. So this was struck uh, just uh, uh, 37 uh, BC. Herod died in about 4 BC. Uh, so surprisingly, Jesus was born, uh, because we know he was born whilst Herod was still alive. He was born BC. That's because a medieval monk who calculated the calendar for us got his maths wrong. <laughs> uh, in 1996, an Israeli professor of archaeology called Echid Nutzer uh, discovered some broken pottery in Masada, which bore the Latin inscription, Herod the Great King of the Jews, or King of Judea. And that was the first find to mention the full biblical title given to King Herod, uh, King Herod the Great, King of the Jews. Uh, this was part of a, an amphora or a, a sort of wine uh, transportation uh, device, and this has been dated to about 19 BC. Licinius, again, skeptics said, look, Luke doesn't know what he's talking about. Everybody knew uh, that Licinius was not a tetrarch, as Luke says, but rather he was the ruler of Calchas, which was half a century earlier than Luke placed him. Luke clearly doesn't know his history. Uh, but then some archaeologists dug up an inscription that was found uh, it was from the time of Tiberius, AD 14 to 37, and this inscription names Licinius as Tetrarch in Albia near Damascus, just as Luke had written. It turned out that there had been two different government officials who happened to have the same name. Caiaphas and Caiaphas's family in a tomb located in the south of Jerusalem were discovered, again, a, a cache of these ossuaries. And you can see these are ossuaries belonging to very rich and powerful people who could afford fancy carving on their ossuaries. Uh, one of which uh, many historians uh, believe relates to the former high priest Caiaphas and his family. Uh, there's an inscription on here about Yosef bar Caiaphas, son of Caiaphas. This is a, again a recent find from 2011 in Bulgaria. And what archaeologists think is very plausibly uh, a bone box uh, containing some remnants of John the Baptist. Uh, this uh, archaeologist with the fantastic name of Pop Konstaninov uh, headed an archaeological team that uncovered a reliquary or an ancient container for relics in which there were eight bone pieces, uh, not all human, by the way. Uh, someone had padded out the collection at some stage, uh, that were attributed to John the Baptist. Uh, the reliquary was found, it was embedded in an altar in the ruins of a monastery on Sveti Ivan, or, or John's Island, a small island in the Black Sea off uh, Sazapol in Bulgaria, modern-day Bulgaria. And the professor told the, the media 
that he partly based his support of this find's authenticity on a Greek inscription that was found on another box uh, that was found alongside the reliquary. And this inscription said, uh, God, save your servant Thomas to St. John, June 24th. The, the date, June 24th, is that of the religious feast of St. John. Uh, the island's name, John's Island, and the monastery was dedicated to St. John, uh, are also considered supporting uh, evidence. And you might think, well, that's, that's kind of circumstantial evidence. But there's some interesting other evidence as well. They subjected the, uh, the human bone fragments to some sci- scientific testing. Uh, the remains are, there was a, a small fragment of a skull, bones from a jaw and an arm and a tooth, uh, were discovered embedded in an altar, uh, and they sent uh, bits off to Oxford University, where archaeologists undertook carbon dating tests. Uh, and the research team dated the right-handed knuckle bone uh, to the middle of the first century AD, which is when John is believed to have lived until he was uh, beheaded by King Herod. Scientists from the University of Copenhagen analysed the DNA recovered from the bones, and they found that the DNA came from a single individual, all the human bones were from a single hum- human individual, probably a man, probably from a family in what is now the modern-day Middle East, where John would have lived. So quite interesting supporting evidence from carbon dating and DNA testing. What about the beliefs of these people, particularly about Jesus? Um, Here's a very interesting find from the 60s. uh, A guy called Johannan from his ossuary there was found... And you can see through his uh, ankle bone is a nail. This is our only archaeological evidence of a victim of crucifixion. And the very interesting thing about this is that although he was crucified, which was a very shaming death in the culture, Johannan obviously still received a decent burial. And and many uh, skeptics had said that if Jesus was crucified, he wouldn't have received the decent burial that the Bible portrays him uh, as having with you know, Joseph giving him his tune and, and so on, because that would have been so uh, culturally not the done thing. But here we have the only archaeological evidence of a crucifixion victim we have, and he was given a decent burial because he was put into a, a bone box. This is called the, the Nazareth uh, Decree. It's a stone slab dating from about AD 41, that seems to have been found in Nazareth in uh, the late 19th uh, century. It records a decree from the Emperor Claudius, who reigned from AD 41-54. And the decree is to this effect. It says that no graves should be disturbed or bodies extracted or moved from graves. And it ups the, the penalty for doing this to capital punishment. Now, some people have suggested that a plausible explanation of such a decree in such a place would be that Claudius perhaps heard of the Christian doctrine of the resurrection and Jesus' empty tomb and presumed that it must have been something to do with grave robbers, uh, as indeed uh, in Matthew's Gospel it's recorded that that was the first thing that the Jews said in response uh, to the Christian proclamation of Jesus' resurrection. Um, 
The Christians said, Jesus is risen and his tomb is empty. Uh, the Jews didn't say, no, the tomb's not empty, he's, he's still mouldering away in there. They said, yes, the tomb's empty, but that's because the disciples stole the body. Uh, so this fits rather neatly with that. Dan Brown, who I mentioned at the beginning, in a passage from the Da Vinci Code, uh, puts forward this idea that Jesus was viewed by his followers just as a mortal human prophet, not the Son of God. Jesus' establishment as the Son of God, as divine as well as human, was officially proposed and voted on by the Council of Nicaea, which happened in 325 AD. Uh, This is a load of baloney, as the English phrase goes. And you can show that just from looking at archaeology. So in Capernaum, the remains of a 5th century church were investigated by archaeologists who discovered that this church had been built around the remains of a 4th century church that had been built around the remains of a 1st century house from the village of Capernaum. And clearly this 1st century house had been used as a Christian meeting place since about the second half of the 1st century. The Emperor Constantine's mother, Agiria, Uh, in AD 380, records in Capernaum, the house of the Prince of the Apostles, that is Peter, has been made into a church with its original walls still standing. It's where the Lord cured the paralytic. And indeed, scratched into the plasterwork of uh, the walls of that house were inscriptions from the, the 3rd to 4th centuries that included Inscriptions such as, Jesus Christ the Redeemer, and Lord Jesus Christ, help your servant. So there are people scratching prayers to Jesus and calling him Lord in the 3rd to 4th centuries. Even earlier than this, this is a 3rd century church found at Dura Europos, and a schematic of it. And particularly interesting for our purposes is the baptistry area of the church where there were various wall murals discovered. Here on the left is a picture of one of those wall murals from the baptistry. And you can see here a man lying on a bed and a man carrying his bed and a figure standing over pointing his arm over the man on the bed. It's a sort of time-lapse picture of Jesus healing the paralytic to pick up your bed and walk. Uh, And they've interpreted the bed in a rather literalistic manner. It's probably more like his bed roll, you know. But still, it's clearly that's what they're depicting. Which, of course, is uh, referring to the story recorded in various uh, Gospels. Mark 2 is the version I have up here. And the whole point of that story of Jesus healing the paralytic is that he is accused of blasphemy, of putting himself in God's shoes when he assures the man on his own personal authority that his sins are forgiven. And then to prove himself to those who doubt him, he heals the paralytic. So that is a a reference that clearly shows people in 232-ish AD (laughs) believing in Jesus as divine. Or notice there's that healing the paralytic and the picture next to it You can just about make out, though it's a bit fuzzy, people in a boat. People in a boat. 
and someone standing on the waves and someone coming from the boat walking on the water towards Jesus. Jesus standing and walking on the water. As Job 9, 8 says, talking about God, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. The miracle of Jesus' walking on the water was an enacted parable of Jesus claiming uh, divinity. Or this from just over the baptistry, clearly a picture of uh, a shepherd here carrying a sheep, Jesus as the good shepherd. Um, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, John 10:11. This, of course, again, is a reference back to the Old Testament way of referring to God from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord is my shepherd, and then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, who does he think he is? Um, so, again, here are people who clearly believed more than 100 years before the Council of Nicaea that Jesus thought he was divine. And they seem to be agreeing with him and being baptised in his name. This uh, Christian prayer hall or church discovered in 2005 uh, near Megiddo, in the the grounds of Megiddo prison, when they were trying to extend it, uh, they uncovered this fantastic uh, floor mosaic of an earliest yet discovered Christian church. Uh, dated by the pottery and coins and so on to about 230 AD. And there's various fascinating things about it, including its uh, inclusion of these fish symbols. And you might know that in uh, early Christianity, they used the symbol of the fish to say they were Christians to one another, uh, because the Greek for fish, ichthus, uh, was a, uh, an acrostic, that's a, where you take the, each letter of a word stands for another word, uh, and it stood for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Saviour. And so they used the fish as the Christian symbol. So there is a symbol talking about people believing in Jesus Christ, God's Son, from 230 AD. But even more impressive is this inscription here. And I have a, a brief video Uh, of the archaeologists from the site taking us through the translation of this inscription. I don't know if you could hear him clearly, but the translation reads, the God-loving Aceptus, this lady has has dedicated or offered the table that would have been on this plinth in the middle there, uh, to God, or the God himself, Jesus Christ as a memorial and they found these wine jugs in the third century around it clearly I think Christians were gathering around this table to have communion with one another Uh, 230 AD uh, clearly there were at least some people who believed that Jesus was God himself Um, put that in your pipe and smoke it down brown as we say (laughs) the uh, Alex Aminos graffito um, you're probably not surprised to know that graffito is Latin for graffiti. Um, it's some graffiti probably uh, scratched in a wall by one Roman soldier taking the mick out of uh, another Roman soldier found near Palatine Hill in Rome, dated to about 200 AD. Uh, and you can see here's a, a figure on a cross beam with a donkey's head. He's made such an ass of himself as to get himself crucified. And here is a figure looking up at the figure on the cross with an arm raised. 
And the script here says, Alexaminos worships his god, or Alexaminos, worship your god. Ha ha ha, what an idiot this Roman soldier is for worshipping this guy who got himself crucified. Remind you of anyone. <laughs> um, but of course you can only wor- worship uh, a god, worship your god. Um, so clearly someone believed in a crucified god in about 200 AD. Another very recent find from 2011, uh, uh, a funeral inscription uh, with uh, the official name of uh, NCE156. They give these inscriptions fantastic uh, labels. Um, But it's an inscription written in Greek, dated to the latter half of the second century. So this comes about 117, 167 between their years post-crucifixion. And it alludes to various Christian beliefs, although it also uses some pagan imagery. Uh, And it's rather strange imagery to our uh, eyes and ears, uh, this funeral inscription, but it reads, uh, To my bath, the brothers of the bridal chamber carry the torches. Here in our halls, they hunger for the true banquets, even while praising the Father and glorifying the Son. There with the Father and the Son, is the only spring and source of truth. Praising the Father and glorifying the Son, the source of truth. Uh, All of which is just a sampling of the archaeological evidence that that adds powerfully uh, to the cumulative case for the historical nature and the historical reliability of the New Testament and which debunks just by looking at archaeology a lot of these contemporary media claims that you'll come across on YouTube or the internet or uh, so on uh, from new atheist authors um, who think that the Gospels have nothing to do with history uh, that it's uh, uh, just made up um, that all this uh, stuff about believing in Jesus as divine and so on is, is a late development Uh, rather than something that actually comes from the historical uh, ground zero. Thank you very much.